You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You ready? Welcome back, everyone, to the Buff Hubby Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Hope you're having an amazing start to your week. I know I am because the Bills just went on Monday night. For the first time in the century, right? This is a big deal. We're going to break down today, uh, basically, what happened with that 49ers game. That's going to be part A of this of today's podcast. And part B will be with Greg uh, from Cover One. We're going to be getting into the Steelers matchup on Sunday night. But I have a special guest with me. You guys have never heard him on my podcast yet because I've been waiting for the perfect opportunity to bring my brother from Buffalo, Mario Vega, on. How you doing, bro? We've been playing football outside. I went out in my slippers yesterday. It almost slipped on my behind when you were trying to chase me down. It was a lot of fun playing with the nephews, uh, you know, having a few brews, having some good times uh, out here in the great sunshine state of Florida. And, uh, you know, I came for all the way from the West Coast. He came all the way from New York just so we can be here with you guys today. How you doing, bro? Man, thank you so much for having me on, bro. It's about time. About damn time. About damn time. <laughs> no, it feels good, man. I'm, it's it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be on your show. You've done great things. I'm excited to talk about Bill's football. Oh, yeah. No, I think, I think yesterday it felt so special to be there with Dad, uh, with the kids, and being able to just sit there and enjoy. I felt like a game where... Yeah, it's had, had a rough start. We're going to get into it. We're going to basically take it quarter by quarter. And then we're going to get it also into how much credit do the Bills really get from this game? Because that's been a big argument that the Bills haven't had a signature win. <laughs> I get it. Jimmy G's not playing. But, you know, we're going to get into all that in the second part of the 49ers uh, in review. So really quick, what was your take? Because I can rant. All right. I can rant about the first quarter. You heard me rant into the second quarter, right? So uh, you're sitting there. You were quiet with dad. I was hooting and hollering. But what did you see? What did you like out of the resolve maybe? And, uh, you know, what do you take from that first quarter and going into the, you know, second quarter and all that? Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. Um, I seen the Bills drive the ball very good in the first quarter. I mean, you see that first drive, they moved that ball down pretty easy. Right to the goal line. Uh, again, unfortunately, they didn't score. They went all four downs in the, in the red zone. But, you know, you take away the the ease it took for Josh Allen and that offense to get down that field twice in that first quarter. Um, unfortunately, we didn't come away with the points in the first drive. But you, you see, with that first, first quarter, you see the Bills driving. You notice that, like, okay, maybe this, this is what this game's going to be about. They can move that ball with ease down the field. And, a lot of people, I assume, would expect that to happen against a depleted 49ers defense. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. 49ers are great. I mean, they played well with what they have. Right. You know? But um, I expected, personally, that we were going to win this game. We were going to 
you know, score a lot of points. So, I mean, I, you know, first quarter going into the second, third, and fourth, I, I think that, uh, you know, we showed that we can move that ball down there. So, so if we're going to break down the first quarter, what grade would you give it right off the bat? You're looking at the defense, you know, having some resolve, and you have the offense showing, you know, some effort to push the ball all the way down into the red zone and not execute. Don't get me started on I formation at the one and a half yard line to the two yard line, right? And and you're looking at I formation and you're trying to get the ball to Lee Smith. Look, against a really stout defense, give credit where it's due. San Francisco has a very stout defense. Fred Warner was no joke. And I said it from the beginning, uh, you know, last week I was like, if we don't intimidate him early, we're going to have trouble in the red zone. And slowly but sure, we'll get into it, what happened later in the game, right? But you look at that first quarter. If you're going to grade it from an F to, F to an A, what are you going to give it? Honestly, B plus, B minus, A, whatever you want. I'm going to say a B minus. Um, again, they moved the ball down the field well. That I formation in the red zone, I thought it was a good play call. I okay. think it was bad personnel. Um, if you're going to uh, yep, run that play call, um, I, I understand you want Lee Smith in there. Because of the blocking, you have options. You Maybe you want to run instead of pass, depending right. on what their personnel is on defense. Right. But I think you, if you had Dawson Knox in there, okay. that might have that might, that might have went a different way. You know, Dawson Knox is more Just getting Dawson game. Knox the football instead of Lee Smith. Yeah. And I think the ball placement for Josh Allen right. was good. He threw it behind because he had someone in front. Mm-hmm. It may, it may have been a little bit behind, but I think that if it was Dawson Knox in there, we might have had a better chance of scoring that touchdown. I mean, he sat in the pocket for a couple of seconds, yeah. and he just unloaded, and he thought maybe Lee Smith was going to you know, jump up to the left side, kind of reach out for that football, and the opposite happened. I mean, he reached out with one hand not knowing where the ball was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, For me, it was very frustrating watching the first half, and I am quite – watching the first half, watching the first quarter – and the reason I say that is because I almost feel like the Buffalo Bills took the trend of the third quarter from past games and threw it into the first quarter, right? Where you're expecting them to come out with that heat, come out with that fire, and then, you know, they do, but they it's very poor execution, and we end up, you know, giving the ball turnover on downs. Uh, you know, I'm expecting in the first quarter for the Bills to pop off and just take control from that point on. The opposite happened. I mean, what ended up happening was the second quarter felt like the first quarter of most games, right? Where you're seeing the Buffalo Bills unload. They're just pulling all the aces out of the deck. I believe it was 17-0 to zero in the second quarter. And, uh, you know, for me, what, what I was really interested to see was, okay, this is, in my opinion, the biggest test that the Buffalo Bills have faced. The reason I say that is because I felt like the 49ers were stout at all three levels of the defense. Their front line, I get you, I get you don't have Bosa, but you do have some guy. They were just running a four-man rush. Strong. And they thought they were going to be able to get the pressure. And they got frustrated. And the Buffalo Bills offensive line was not getting enough credit. Uh, I think, you know, when you have four against five and they just can't get in there, and the minute they try to bring five in. Josh Allen just pulls out to the right and starts making plays happen. Uh, you know, that's what you saw throughout that whole game is Josh Allen just literally looking like the best player on the field. So if we're going to get into the second quarter here, 
um, going into the third quarter. What what did you feel? You know, the Bills seven. You know, I feel like that was a big deal going into the second second half, seventeen to seven, right? And and for me, I I didn't know if it was going to be enough. You know, because you look at Nate Mullins, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for. I think how much of an efficient quarterback he is. I did say that he doesn't have the zip, right? I said that from the beginning. I don't think he can zip the ball. You saw plenty of times when they kept trying to attack the inside with Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano. You got the safety coming in to help uh, to break up some passes. He didn't have the zip to really put it right inside a receiver's chest. The one time he did, I mean, it was a perfect pass to Ayuk, and then Ayuk, you know, fumbles it, you know, up in the mm-hmm. air, and then uh, it's an interception to uh, Micah Hyde. That was later in the game. But, um, you know, going into the second half, what did you expect, right? And then what what were you, what were you happy about? Uh, I was happy about the fact that we didn't slump like we usually would do this mm-hmm. season in the mm-hmm. third quarter. We'd go into a deep slump. Uh, we wouldn't score anything, and we'd have to play catch-up in the fourth quarter. I thought that the Bills coming out in the second half Played very well. Yeah. Um, you I mean, know. You, well, time of possession. We talked about time of possession. Look yeah. at that. 34 minutes. Well, about 35 minutes for the Bills and 25 minutes uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. So you give the 49ers, mm-hmm. right, another eight minutes. That's plenty of time to close the gap. You talk about what you're what you're saying going into the third quarter, going into the second half, and to just keeping control of the game. That's how we have to do it. You look at guys like Tom Brady, you look at guys like Ben Roethlisberger, the way to beat them is to keep them off the field as much as possible. And, uh, you know, that you make a great point. You talk about, I mean, I, I brought it up well in the past where the Bills were averaging, ladies and gentlemen, before last week, they were, la- they were literally averaging three points in the third quarter. And last week we scored seven points in the third quarter. We just, we kept a good flow against good defenses where, you know, again, the chargers may not have had everything together on offense, but they were still losing going off on a tangent here about the chargers, but they were still losing by only one touchdown, uh, you know, one possession, even tie it. Uh, you look at their defense, they were, they were terrorizing us and they, they were pretty stout and we go against another good defense, right? So what is it going to take for people to truly put, Respect on Josh Allen's name. I think it was this game. Everyone wants to get into Pittsburgh. Let's be real. Go look at the schedule they had. Look, this was their their first test was against a surging uh, defensive game, you know, with Ron Rivera leading the Washington Redskins. And what happened? They lost. They lost. So at the end of the day, what we need to see is the same thing we saw last night. Efficiency at all levels, right? Defensively and offensively. I'm proud of the defense, you know? Think about that. You go into the second half and they see what you, they see what cards you're throwing out. Yeah. You know, Zach Moss, a key fumble, I feel really bad for him, but, you know, they, they start thinking to themselves, maybe there's some ways to fluster them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not flustered. Josh Allen took care of the football. Over 80%. Yeah. What? That's like Madden numbers. Accurate. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah he was... Barely missing. Mm-hmm. He's reading the defenses. Let's talk about Cole Beasley. Unsung hero right there, man. Unsung Cole. hero. 
Cole Beasley is the man. I don't remember another guy who played like him on the Buffalo Bills. Not Don Beebe. He was way faster. Mm-hmm. Right? Wasn't wasn't like you got Cole just so efficient. So efficient just being able to bail you out. And you know, it was funny because like I was thinking about this while I was watching the game, I'm like, I wonder if Cole Beasley were still playing for the Cowboys, what the Cowboys would would look like right now. I really thought about that. Mm. The efficiency he brings, and then to just rip him away from Dak Prescott in his most formidable, like his most important years of his career, where he's trying to build something, and you bring in, I believe it was, uh, I believe Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb, and yep. signed him for one year. He couldn't do the same. Mm. He he wasn't the same. He didn't get in in and out of his routes the way Cole does, and uh, Cole was on fire to where they had to put Richard Sherman on him, and he still was cooking. So what did they do on that one drive where you got Gabe Davis hitting the right side of the field, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about the whole second half here. Uh, holy smokes. Just blows right past yeah. Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman is afraid of that flood route where he's going to go up and right yep. on the right side of the field. Mm-hmm. You got Cole Beasley demanding almost a double team there because the safety up All top. All the attention. The safety up top in the middle staying put. Mm-hmm. Beasley goes up, goes right. Richard Sherman just completely believes that, you know, the safety's going to, you know, get help. Look, if if I'm Brian Dable, I just keep trying to find ways to get Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis more involved. You know, um, yeah, you can get into, you know, Dawson Knox and all that in the red zone. I, like, I skipped that. Uh, we, we skipped it just because you, know, you look at what stood out the most. And in key situations... You look at how we were able to have explosive plays. You, you're going to get your efficiency for Steph, from Stefan Diggs. Once your offense gets rolling, he will win the one-on-one. On third down, and he did it on fourth down. So, you know, he's a big part, big key part, obviously, of the offense when it comes down to our third down efficiency, big time. Now, but I'm looking at Gabe Davis, and I'm looking at Cole Beasley, and the absence of John Brown, It's it's like... This is what you want to see before the playoffs hit because we were in the playoffs before where our key players were all banged up. Kelvin Benjamin was banged up, right? This was way back when. Uh, you know, you look at that, you look at, you know, LaShawn McCoy was, they, they, they taped his entire leg up <laughs> just to get in there. And you need depth. And, you know, in a game where you're trusting your guys who are, you know, behind Stephon Diggs, and then you're also relying heavily on Singletary. Zach Moss fumbles, he doesn't, he doesn't get another snap. Uh, that's what makes Josh Allen excel. Make no mistake, being able to have a supporting cast like that step up in a Monday night game. This is what we're probably going to be seeing in the playoffs. A balanced attack. I was praying and hoping for it. Because for me, I haven't seen that all season. And I know what it was like when we hit the playoffs and we're just like, well... Hopefully, some way, somehow, we can figure out a balanced attack against the Houston Texans. Because once they figure you out, they, they can come back 20 points down. And they came back, obviously. So I'm, I'm going off a tangent here because not only is it exciting, but this is uncharted territory once again. Josh Allen's the first quarterback in Buffalo Bills history, right, to have, I believe it's four touchdowns and 300 yards 
in more than two games. He has it in three games already. So he's excelling. He's exceeding expectations. He's in the conversation. Even maybe, Okay, if he doesn't win it, I get it. He doesn't win it. But he's in the conversation for MVP. It's a big deal for a third-year quarterback from, from Laramie and you know who, who was supposed to have the biggest accuracy issues coming out of the draft since I don't know when. Tebow? <laughs> I mean, they were ripping him for so long. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we, we skipped through towards the end of the game, and uh, maybe let's talk about the defense real, real quick, right? What a game defensively. You know, if we're going to talk about just in review, because we can go person by person and really get into it, what were you excited to see out of the defense when it came down to when we're, we're, we're pushing and we're starting to surge mm. and we're really starting to take over? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, going back to the first quarter, the defense played really well. Um, and then, you know, moving on into the second half, you kind of seen us go into more of a soft coverage. I, I feel like they went into kind of a soft coverage. 100%. And 100%. With the, with our offense surging through that game, you knew that 49ers were going to pull away from that run game because they had to play catch up. Right. And I thought that there was some plays they left out there. Right. You know, right, right. They played maybe too soft, and Nick Mullins was able to get those deep passes in the middle on the outside and move that ball very well. Right. To play catch up. Well, you mentioned something when we were watching it. How did you like when we started to adjust plugging up the middle? And making Mostert go out to the outside. Yeah. Like, that. What did you, was it, was it like the linebackers, I believe they, they were switching Klein and Milano out a mm-hmm, lot mm-hmm. to pinch the middle. Yep. You were mentioning how Tremaine Edmonds was getting to the sidelines so fast and he was being yeah. so disruptive all game. That was amazing. Yeah. Seeing he, him take over. Can I just say first that uh, it felt great to see Matt Milano back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they eased him back in, but he made plays. And I love to see that. And now the dynamic of having Milano back into the fold and having AJ Klein surge now uh, with over, over the past couple of weeks, it feels good knowing that um, our we're seeing our past defense yeah. progressively get better. Back to who they were. Back to I mean, look at Trey Day. Yep. Three interceptions in four games. Yeah. You you, you kind of see that Trey Day is starting to be that lockdown again. He's he's becoming that lockdown. Um, on the other side of the ball, we still have, you know, questions. You know, we Levi do. Wallace had, you know, it's fair to say he had a tough game. Remember what I told you, though? I said, I never expect my CB2 to, to be, be anywhere close to my CB1. Mm-hmm. CB1s are getting so much money. Oh, yeah. There's no way you're going to be able to get the same quality of play. Mm-hmm. So people kind of need to chill out, though, right? Yeah. I, you're going to get angry about it, but... It, it, it's hard to expect so much from, you know, your CB2 to basically do everything your CB1 does. Yeah. He, he can probably, I think, I think um, when Levi Wallace shines, he shines really well. Um, I think he did have a really tough assignment. Mm-hmm. They switched him off from Ayuk, who came back into the fold, and Debo Samuel's flopping left and right. Mm-hmm. And, oh, let me, say, let me say this before everyone forgets. What did I tell you? Oh, everyone wants to talk about Debo Samuel. Oh, if we would have gotten got him the football, you know, earlier in the game, we probably would have been able to put a lot more pressure on on the Buffalo Bills. Tredavious White was all over him the whole game mm-hmm. until, like you said, they started to play more softer coverage. 
Yeah, you look at Debo Samuel's stat line. I mean, for that game, he had six receptions, seventy-three yards, and he wasn't a big. He wasn't a big difference maker. Um, and that you pay credit to Trey Day for covering him. Um, you may even say like, you know, Mullins is in there. You know, <laughs> it's not a, uh, it's not Garoppolo, and I'm not saying Garoppolo is a better option. That's a different story. Well, we're gonna get into that. Yeah, we're gonna get into that once we're done with this last point. But if you know, if if Garoppolo was in the game, is Samuel's a bigger impact. Yeah. Well, then we, we get into the second point of this party segment, right? Mm. How much credit do the Bills get for this game on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm going to go on the record saying they get a 9, right? Everyone had, right before the game was starting to get going, the 49ers barely winning. Mm. The 49ers still f- being able to figure out a way. And it was the complete opposite, right? The Bills get a ton of credit mm-hmm. against the defensive coordinator who will most likely make a play. He's going to generate a playoff team whenever he goes. Either I don't know Whatever if it's going to be Detroit. Mm-hmm. I pray it's not going to be the Jets mm-hmm. because he is going to be a nightmare to go up against, you know, week in, week out um, for the AFC East. Now, I just have respect for him. He kind of looks like Xerxes from the 300, doesn't he? Remember yeah, when I showed you, you that picture? That yeah, I know, does, I know. <laughs> he's kind of he's intimidating. I mean, yeah. but more importantly, he just knows how to command his defense that have a lot of very uh, strong character guys and weapons. And um, you know, but I want to talk about Nate Mullins against Jimmy. You know, uh, Jimmy G and Nate Mullins comparison because let's just say Jimmy G was in there, mm-hmm. right? And let's say. Kittle was in there. Mm-hmm. Do we still match up well? Because that's the big question, right? Do we still match up well against Jimmy G with George Kittle? Because my argument was the San Francisco 49ers finally found their stride this late in the season. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, they got slaughtered by the Miami Dolphins. Don't forget that game. Right? That's when they were trying to crown Miami early on. They destroyed the San Francisco 49ers. They were struggling early in the season. And when you struggle, you get injured. And when you get injured, you make excuses. And then when your team starts to surge, oh, well, here we go. We're back to where we need to be. Here's the thing. If Nate Mullins wins last night, Jimmy G goes back to New England. Yeah. That's just my prediction. Because mm-hmm. Nate, Nate Mullins is, is starting to carry your team. He turns into like this, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins situation mm-hmm. where RG3 gets injured. He becomes injury prone. Let's just start Kirk Cousins. And mm-hmm. then Kirk Cousins gets a freaking $80 million, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. guaranteed yeah, yeah. contract. So, you know, I'm looking at the, 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 the comparison. Yes, you can get George Kittle in there. Mm-hmm. But if George Kittle can't get the ball, right? Let's, and let me say this to you right now, too. Make no mistake, if George Kittle was in there, Matt Milano would have been manned up to him all game long. Oh, yeah. We, we had the flexibility, right, the whole game to basically shuffle Klein and Milano out all game long because George Kittle was, wasn't in. Mm-hmm. George Kittle would have came off an injury. So did Matt Milano. Mm-hmm. And it would have been mano y mano, right, all game long. So now I want you to elaborate what you meant about Jimmy G. I remember watching the game. You mentioned something about him, about being somewhere about in the quarterback rankings. What did you say exactly? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's elite. I don't think he will ever be elite. He's more of a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. And he, you said he's going to stay there. He's going to stay there, yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't see him 
progressively getting better in his career. Um, do I believe he's better than Mullins? There's a reason why he's a starter and Mullins isn't. Mm-hmm. He's clutch when it, it, it you know when it, he when he needs to be. This season hasn't really showed it. He's mm-hmm. had a pretty tough season. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna knock Mullins. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, he got a bunch of yards in garbage time, and you know, we were playing lights out offense. Mm-hmm. But um, Mullins wasn't a slouch. I mean, he threw for over 300 yards. He had three touchdowns. He threw yeah. two interceptions. He had some bad passes out there. Garoppolo's the same though. Yeah. Garoppolo will have games where he's throwing for three, four hundred yards and getting two, three touchdowns a game and playing amazing football. But then there's games where Garoppolo is crap. Miami. Literally. Crap. I mean, and you can say it was injury. You can say, well, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent. But And then I mean, also and then you can also people also say, well, look at his surrounding supporting cast. Yeah. You can always say that. Yeah. Because what do you what happens if Kittle's in this game with Mullins? <laughs> yeah. You know? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. So how much credit do the Bills get? That's why I say nine because I, I just believe we match up really well against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the minute we started to – because this is, this is the thing. Even if George Kittle was in, we figured out how to stop the running game. Right? Appar- oh, they were fully healthy. Moster was fully healthy. Moster, yep. He was a full go. Mm-hmm. So why don't the Bills get credit for stopping him? It's, it's, I just wanted to get into that because I know a lot of Bills fans are listening and just listeners alike. Right, they're 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 trying to figure out how they can discount the win, discount every win. More importantly, discount the eleven wins that the Steelers have. Then, yeah. Oh, and also discount maybe all the seasons that you know you look at Bill Belichick with Tom Brady. Then, because AFC was crap. Discount wins all you want. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is if you find a way to win. Yes, this was the first time in a long time. <laughs> where the Bills found a very pretty way to win on Monday night with Josh Allen having 375 yards and four touchdowns. He's here, and he's here to stay. Super proud. Super happy. Uh, you know, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot of good to take. I think, I think we were able to also stop their swing pass. I, I, I remember I kept telling you that. If yeah, Debo yeah. Samuel, if they let him, because once they started playing soft coverage, what, what, basically what was allowed was the swing pass to... Debo Samuel, and he would just kind of get all these yards and be more physical, blah, blah, blah. But the one time he tried to he tried to turn up the field, who met him right there to knock him out of bounds? Matt Milano. Matt Milano. So, mm-hmm. you know, having him is, you know, obviously having the Italians down and back, man. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And what a big deal it is to finally do my first Buff Hub podcast on Buffalo Rumblings with my brother Mario. Bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> It was a pleasure, man. Oh, I'm yeah, so happy man. to be here with you. We're going to do it soon, as soon as we can, whether if it's through a video chat or something like that, and then we'll be able to post it back. Uh, you know, we're going to figure we're going to figure something out. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for, you know, stank, sticking with me for part A of this podcast. Part B is coming up in a second. Uh, we're going to listen to some music and Greg Thompson from Cover One is going to join me to break down the primetime game once again for the primetime bills on Sunday night. Like promised, ladies and gentlemen, I have my good friend from Cover One. He supported me before I was part of Buffalo Rumblings when I was just a 
we little lad <laughs> talking about the Bills with not many people listening. And Greg, just thank you so much for uh, staying in touch. I really respect what you guys do over at Cover One. Uh, again, this is Greg Tomset. I'm definitely good friends with Ant, and uh, I've yet to get Eric on here, but we'll we'll, we'll get that situated soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it, Steve. I uh, really love everything you're doing. And anytime I find smart people talking about things that I care about, I enjoy having those conversations. So uh, really excited to see all of your growth and progress and, and know there's the even brighter future ahead. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, no, just trying to stay consistent. And uh, I'm learning from the best. I'm learning from Bruce. I'm learning from Anthony. I'm learning from all the guys that run all kinds of podcasts on Buffalo Rumblings. And you guys, too, I'm, I'm looking at your videos, and I'm just like, if I don't get Greg on here to break down this Pittsburgh matchup, I just had a feeling. It. I'm not lying to you. Maybe, maybe call me psychic. I don't know. Whatever. I felt 110% that this game was going to be the playoff clinching game once again. I, yeah, I just felt it, it in my bones. It's it's kind of crazy how uh, how it's come along those same lines, and obviously a little bit different. There, there's no uh, duck on the other side of it this year. Got the real deal against Big Ben, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think that it's great to be able to see prime time Sunday night football, two marquee top three teams in the conference, and everything on the line going into it is uh, it, it's a fun time to be a Bills fan. So odd to be nine and three and not six and six, or you know, <laughs> yeah, there's an awful six. lot of yeah, there's a lot of four and eights in there over the years. Oh, yeah, absolutely are. Um, so you know, Greg, just real simple obviously, the, the media has been going crazy about how you know Washington was able to dismantle the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, everyone felt like eventually it was going to happen, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of thankful it did happen before the Bills game. You know, they're both division leaders right now to win their division. And I'm looking at the situation like, yeah, I, don't, I want the Bills to get all the credit because you're going to get Big Ben and a team that's trying to reload. And you got, you know, Josh Allen still trying to prove himself. Plenty of people, plenty of analysts, analysts are saying, well, this is the game that we want to see him win. Not last game, not against a super stout defense, although, you know, it's probably one of the best in the league, regardless of what the... Uh, what the uh, what the record's showing, uh, they really shaped up, uh, you know, with San Francisco. So, Greg, maybe you can shed some light on what Bills fans should expect, uh, you know, going up against Big Ben and, you know, an 11-1 team. You know, they're no joke, obviously, but they definitely have had a joke of a schedule, uh, to say the least. So, there's a lot to kind of pick at, but then you got to respect at the same time, don't you? Yeah, so there's a couple things. So emotionally, I I like the idea of being the team that ended the undefeated season and being the ones who got to knock them off of being 12 and 0. Um analytically, I understand that it's actually better to get the loss and now open up the possibility of a two or even the top number 1 overall seed. So um I get that it was better overall. I also kind of like the idea of them riding high as undefeated and, and feeling full of themselves rather than now facing a team that lost for the first time and is now having to recoup and come back from that. So there's some, you know, different things psychologically back and forth. They're still 11 and one. Um, you can poke as, as you pointed at that. You can poke a lot of holes in their schedule. They had a lot of ugly wins over that stretch. And there was a lot of times where it wasn't the most impressive uh, performance to be able to get to where they were. But they still won an awful lot of games. And honestly, once you got down that stretch 
where they beat, you know, the Browns, the Titans, the Ravens all right in a row, you know, it was kind of over that, you know, that they still had some easy wins in there, but you're supposed to beat those teams. And they were beating the Bengals 36 to 10 and they were beating the the Jaguars 27 to three. It wasn't some, you know, barely squeak by games. They were, you know, winning definitively. Then you run into a team that isn't great. Washington's probably a little bit better than teams realize, um, yeah. but it's with, they have a really, really stout front seven who can give teams a lot of problems and then nothing all that special on offense to be completely honest. So the fact that Washington put up 23 points is really interesting against that defense. And we'll get into it a little bit more with what this bills offense provides, but you know, the fact that the Steelers only put up 17 against the Washington defense isn't terribly shocking. I think Pittsburgh's defense has been stellar all season and their offense has been okay. They have a lot of weapons. Roethlisberger gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Their run game's pretty poor. But when you have, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson and James Washington and Chase Claypool and Eric Ebron and all these weapons and a quarterback who's experienced and smart and can get the ball out fast – that's tough. And most defenses eventually are going to make a mistake and let up a big play. And that's what Pittsburgh would do. They'd play great defense. They'd cause turnovers, tons of havoc, least sacks in the league, protect Big Ben, let him get the ball out fast, and eventually count on you to mess up. And Washington avoided making that big mistake. And they played clean football. And eventually, it, it tripped up the Steelers. Literally. I, mean, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I looked at that matchup, but I will say this. You know, in conjunction with that, you have to respect a great defensive line because you can literally disrupt an entire offensive game plan with a good defensive line. You look back in the day when the Bills played Aaron Rodgers. I bring this up because Aaron Rodgers was playing amazing. He goes to Buffalo. I mean, everyone's going to talk about the Jordan Nelson pass. I'm going to tie this in. Our front four that year was one of the most disruptive, if not the most, although we did not make the playoffs that year, um, in the NFL. And I look at what this uh, five and seven Washington Redskins team is doing. And I mean, they are building from the trenches out. And you're starting to see what the future of the NFL could look like. You got all these gazelles and you got a lot of these screenplays. You got people trying to dump the ball off, trying to get big yardage, right? On, on, on short passes. And I looked at what they were doing and they basically the whole time that big Ben was because big Ben could not push the ball down the field at all in that game. Uh, the times he did, it was okay. But I look at when, when he, especially when they were in the, when they were in the red zone, you look at, you know, I believe it was young on the left end going out and being able to smack the ball down. It's just, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I think that's the only thing when I look at this matchup with the bills, I'm mildly concerned about. Because you got A.J. Epinesa, and you have Jerry Hughes. Could this be a game where Trent Murphy is more effective? I think so. I, I, I definitely think so, because, you know, Big Ben's not going not gonna to be scrambling out. You know, Nate Mullins scrambles more, <laughs> you know, to the right and the left than uh, Big Ben does, especially where he's at in his career. So I'm looking at what we should do, and I, I just think we have to play their star players really well. And, you know, people are also talking about, well, you got Deontay Johnson. Uh, how is he going to match up up against, you know, Levi Wallace? Do you analyze a little deeper how Levi got kind of, you know, cooked a bunch in this last game, uh, you know, 49-yard dart 
Biden Mullins up to a uh, you know, he's a great, he's a great receiver, but just as good, um, if not better, uh, than who they got in Pittsburgh, it, they got talent, you know, they can stretch the field, chase Claypool, um, you know, he hit his mark early in the season. Now that he's just kind of getting, you know, three or four receptions a game, you know, uh, I don't really see him doing a bunch, but what big Ben does well in my eyes is adjust. And I think the only way to stop him from being able to adjust is bringing that front four, front five pressure. Cause he's really good at, he's really good at reading blitzes. The, the tough part is actually getting those blitzes or getting that pressure home. Um, he has the lowest time from snap to throw in the NFL. He's getting the ball out faster than any other quarterback in the NFL. We talked about that front front seven from Washington. You're talking about Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen, you know, a, a lot of really, you know, Montez Sweat, some really, really strong players. They had zero sacks and two quarterback hits. So they played really well and didn't touch Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. So the challenge is it it doesn't really matter. So although I understand the logic of where you're going with uh, Trent Murphy, I don't think our defensive ends matter at all. I don't think there's anything they can do to get to Roethlisberger. The only pressure is going to be Vernon Butler, Ed Oliver, and Quentin Jefferson getting to Roethlisberger straight in his face before he can throw the ball or the A-gap blitz from A.J. Klein, Matt Milano, or Tremaine Edmonds because he's just getting rid of the ball so fast. So some of the things that we've seen from a coverage standpoint, you know, Trey plays really well in press. Levi's okay in press. I think Levi's been getting dragged a little bit today unfairly. We don't have any quarterback on the roster that can go stride for stride with Brandon Ayuk for 49 yards. Dane Jackson can't do that. Cam Lewis can't do that. Josh Norman can't do that. The only answer to that is we need Micah Hyde to help over the top. If you watch that play, Hmm. I I think it was more on Micah Hyde than it was on Levi Wallace. Oh, wow. Look at that. Now, Levi giving up catches, it's not ideal, but... You know, when you play opposite Trey White and the only time they try to go at Trey White, he picks the ball off and takes the ball away from another grown man. Um, It's kind of tough. You know, you're going to get thrown at a lot. So I like that he's making tackles. I like that he didn't let guys like Debo Samuel and um, Brandon Ayuk get a ton of yards after catch. He's doing his job. He's not an elite athlete. He's not fantastic, but he keeps guys in front of him. We need to scheme and bracket coverage around that because if you leave him isolated with Chase Claypool, he's going to get burned. But so will every other guy on our roster. We don't have an elite athlete at cornerback two that can just keep up with guys man to man. We have to scheme it. They need to be, you know, scheme sound, technique sound, leverage guys the right way, turn them back into the other coverage and use the guys around you to do that. And that's the only way we're going to stop this Pittsburgh team because if we try to go man to man, and bring crazy pressure and just hope that we have the horses to guard Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and James Washington and Deontay Johnson on every single snap, we're going to get roasted. I actually want to see the opposite. I want to see us bring two and three and drop seven, eight, or nine on some plays and dare Roethlisberger not to get picked off by Trey White or Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. Um, I hope we can trick him and put a lot of guys at the line so he doesn't know which four guys are coming, and maybe we can get a pressure or two that way. But, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning because they have the best sack differential in history. They've got 34 more sacks than they've given up. 
That's the most in NFL wow. history. They're winning because they don't let anybody get to their quarterback and they get to everybody else's quarterback. And that's how this game's going to be decided. If they get to Josh Allen and get him off his spot and get him anxious and nervous and we don't get to Roethlisberger at all and we don't confuse him or, or get him off his spot at all, they're going to win this game because that's how they've won all the rest of the games. So what do we do on offense, right? You look at the other side, their defense is stout. Yes, they've had who they've had in the past, you know, but... The one thing I respect about Pittsburgh, they're dominating their division. However they however they won against the you know against the Jets, I believe you know whatever. There there's a couple of no, excuse me, <laughs> the Cowboys, <laughs> the, the, the the Cowboys game. Uh, no, the, the, forget about that game. Just just the Cowboys game. Let's just remember that about this whole season with them. It, it was it was insane to see the Steelers struggle against the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm looking at what we're going to have to do because I feel like a lot of the reasons uh, maybe the Buffalo Bills have a tough time in the second half have had in the past, but they've, they've generally fixed it. Um, it's really hard to see a full and complete game quarter to quarter from the Bills defensively and offensively. Um, you know, I, I look at this matchup and the one thing I'm saying to myself is the aces are the aces in the deck have been shown. You know, they know what we're going to do. They know what we're capable of. It's winning the one-on-ones and basically winning in the trenches. Would you agree with that? You know, would you agree that that's the, that's basically the only way setting the tone against a Mike Tomlin defense? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think that, so when we rattled off that crazy front seven for Washington and said that they didn't get sacks or get to Roethlisberger, that's not the same as them not winning at the line of scrimmage. That doesn't mean they didn't impact the game. That doesn't mean that they didn't control and win the line of scrimmage. You're still talking about a game where, you know, Pittsburgh had, I think, 21 yards rushing, if I'm looking at it right. I think tw- yeah. 14 carries on in 21 yards, 1.5 yards per carry. Um, they needed to pass 53 times to get 300 yards, so 5.8 yep. yards per attempt. Um, so it, getting in that kind of position, they completely shut down the run, and they forced Roethlisberger, as he's wont to do, to get rid of the ball incredibly quickly um, and not give up anything down the field. So him getting rid of the ball quickly and not getting hit also means it's almost impossible to beat you over the top because getting anything over the top means you're talking about three seconds, four seconds. If he's getting the ball out in under two seconds – guys can only run so fast. You can't get that far down the field by that time. So it's something where I think that's where it comes down to is controlling the line of scrimmage. Ideally, you do actually touch him and hit him and affect him. Um, But at minimum, you force his hand and then just be a sound tackling team. Don't give up yards after the catch. Strip a ball here or there. Get a ball. You know, uh, Washington got a ball to bounce up in the air and picked it off late. Those kind of plays. It's going to take something like that to be able to do it because – Otherwise, Pittsburgh's just going to do what they do and assume that they can move the ball down the field five yards at a time, passing the ball to one of their four elite athletes at at wide receiver, and that eventually you're going to miss a tackle on the score. I I, I totally agree with you, and I think the, the common denominator underneath all of that is time of possession can ultimately decide this game. Um, they're sound. They're a sound football team, regardless of who they lost against. Uh, obviously, look, at the end of the day, what I want to see is growth from the Buffalo Bills. 
Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. Last year, I don't think we win that game if Big if Big Ben is in there. Uh, you know, in that prime time, you know, and we end up clinching the playoffs. Look, this is going to be a testament to the entire team's growth and resilience and preparedness and mental preparedness. Do you get high again and fall super low? It just needs to end. That whole trend needs to end. But, um, Greg, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Just do me a quick favor. Just let everyone know where they can find all of your content, and uh, we'll wrap it up here for you. Sounds great, man. Yeah, this is a ton of fun. It's always great talking to you and looking forward to uh, connecting again here in the offseason. Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at Greg Thompson, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T, over at CoverOne.net and doing the Cover One uh, preview and postgame shows every Wednesday night and immediately following each Bills game. So uh, come on over, have some fun, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. You'll find me there. I'll just be, you know, I'm, I'm always that guy lingering in the chat. You'll just kind of find me there, find me in everybody's. I'm, I'm, I'm looking all over the place all the time. It's just fun to be in touch with you guys and other podcasters alike. Thank you again, uh, everyone on Buffalo Rumblings. I appreciate you for tuning into the Buff Hub. Have a great rest of your weekend, and go Bills. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.